Guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, as ever, remember that all the information you're about to hear is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any illnesses or diseases. Please make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any of the things we may discuss in this podcast. Speaking of education, if you're an exercise professional, coach or anyone working within the realms of health and fitness, when you're done listening here, make sure to head on over and check out our education portal at www themusclementors.co.uk if you like us and truly care about the well-being of your clients about getting access to the best and most up-to-date information in the areas of exercise mechanics hypertrophy sleep improving your online coaching services and much much more then be sure to join up you'll gain access to endless hours of content focused around everything you need to become a truly elite coach and get your clients in the best physical shape possible this is all in the form of video lectures weekly live education sessions and study groups you also get early access to our podcast and access to any exclusive Q&A segments we do with our guests. The content never stops on the portal. It's not a one-off course. It's an ever-evolving learning platform designed to give you the best information possible in this area. Head on over to our website and become part of our epic community, full to the brim of other professionals who, like yourself, are focused on providing the best health and physique-related results for their clients. Join us and them and gain the resources, support and accountability you need to become the elite of the health and fitness industry. For now, though, grab yourself a pen and paper and enjoy the show. How are we doing, everyone? Welcome back to the Muscle Mentors podcast, um, joined by James and Paul. Um, so today, um, we're going to, it's not, I think we're not doing any other, another Q&A one. We'll probably do a Q&A next week or something. It's another, probably story time, <laughs> slash so that's reminiscing. Um, but we're, we're going to, I mean, we've just got, um, been teaching over the weekend um, on our practical camps and it kind of made us think about some of our own educational experiences um, and things we've, you know, you know, learnt. Uh, uh, but how, you know, the different things we've been a part of in our, throughout our careers and, and kind of the main, like the things that stuck out most Um and I mean, between us, we've done a lot. I think I enjoyed the scoff that you put at the end of the things we've learned. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I just think it's like when like you're talking about education, it's like the things we've learned. It's like, are we going to go through everything we've learned? <laughs> 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 no, the things we've been educated on. Um, no, and we're just going to go through the laundry list of, uh, of little, like, so nursery. Things. What was the first thing you guys learned in nursery? Yeah, that's I mean. what I mean, right? Are we going to go that far back? No. Um, in our careers as PTs. And, and like James had a really good point. We were just chatting before we recorded that, you know, when it came to the muscle mentors itself, like it wouldn't exist had it not been for our educational pursuits. Um, yeah. Um, like how did you guys first meet? Thank <laughs> you. You came on the camp uh, was teaching at M10, didn't you, Luke? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And then I, I... Which one it was. It was the... I don't think you taught anything. The first camp I did there was the Ben Pekulski one, but I don't think you did anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, well, that was Ben. Yeah, that was yeah, that was my camp. <laughs> I, mean, I can't remember whether, the, whether you guys helped or anything, but I don't think I don't think you did. You just hosted them, didn't you? No, we we were just participants, the same as everyone else. Um, yeah, so it was probably following that. I like, just saw that. Jimbo from a distance across the uh, crowded room. No, who's that lanky guy, Heather? <laughs> no, it's, I think it was the practical. The first interaction we ever had, I remember properly. You know, I, I talked about it. Oh, 
I think it was either it was one on the podcast the other week actually where I was, we were on the 45 degree hip extension it was during one of the training segments in the practical camp um, practical camp I don't know what you guys call it um, and um, we, we were on the 45 degree hip, like hip extension I remember you were kind of coaching me through it and you were like cueing me to contract my glutes in the lengthen position I was like I was like, you can't do that. And you were like, yeah, yeah, you should be able to contract your like glutes from that position. I was like, what? For those listening, you can't picture this. What you need to picture is Jimbo with a couple of fingers deep into Luke's glute tissue. Luke bent over to about 90 degrees of hip flexion, (laughs) right up high in the air. Me just looking down on him. Just telling him to get hard. It was a bit weird. <laughs> harder, harder, Luke. <laughs> Whispering it gently in my ear. Um, no, the, uh, yeah, the, that was, uh, and, uh, but I remember that was quite an experience because that was the first time I was like, oh my God, like, I should be able to contract a muscle through fully through its entire range of motion. And I went away and kind of taught myself how to do that. But um, yeah, that was, uh, I think that was the first time we probably interacted with it, obviously, in the, the stream of, how many years ago was that? 30? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Five, six? No, that would have been what? Uh, yeah, that would have been maybe. Luke was about 14 six. years old. <laughs> I think that would have been pushing six to seven years ago. Maybe. Wow. Yeah, because wow. I, I was coming, I don't know, I was fresh out of uni. Yeah. The biggest philosophy student. There's ever been. At the time, I was, I was, sense, not like he loves philosophy, but that he's just way larger than anyone else on a philosophy course. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I mean, to be fair, though, that was uh, I was a pork pie back then. So, <laughs> is that did you have your Mohican at that point? Uh, probably, right. yeah, I've, probably. I you guys were probably like. I've never really seen Luke with hair, but if you look closely at our logo, you'll notice on Luke's silhouette, it's got a blonde top. And I don't know what this is based on because I've never seen evidence of this. I think it's oh, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, for anyone who's friends with me on Facebook, I'll go back to my blonde head of hair. To be fair, I could grow it. I, I definitely have like... It's definitely thinning on top. Um, annoyingly, we have a balding gene in the family. So I just thought, I'll just quit. I'll just jump ahead and just kind of shave it down then. Um yeah um and then what was it there was a there was one time on the m10 camps where i kind of um just you guys you mark and a bunch of the coaches went out for a meal at the restaurant and i was like i'll come with <laughs> so, we used to, every, every lunchtime at camps we'd nip over to browns which is over the road and have uh, lunch just as a team and come back and my first memory of luke is not me touching his glutes <laughs> that's stuck in Luke's mind. He hasn't got very memorable glutes. Okay, that's, that's really what I'm picking up from you. I forgot that. I just remember him hijacking a, a team meal at lunch. <laughs> uh, hijacking? I probably just came along and just sat there in silence. Just, oh my gosh. But that's one of those things, isn't it? But like, I think we'd all say that from our experiences on various education things over the years, mm-hmm. is meeting people in them is a huge part of that process. As Jimbo said, like there wouldn't be a muscle mentors without the interacting with other coaches part of all this. Like I met these guys first by going on their camps. Like mm-hmm. that was the a couple of years space. ago. That was the third space one, wasn't it? Yeah, and then was on an RTS course with you guys at the same time. Then me and Luke happened to be on a, a Jacques Taylor um, course at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point I was on about 
four or five calls with you guys a week yeah. through various things, including yeah. the muscle mental stuff before I was part of the team. Mm-hmm. And that was when you came, we were actually when, like looking at this a couple of days ago where I was looking back through some of the camps and there was like the, you came to one of our camps last year and then like the following weekend we were on an RT, like one at Integra, it was an RTF, it was just one of the Integra lab times together, which was quite funny. Yeah. yeah, and then I wouldn't have this gig if it also wasn't for the fact that I then found some bits within, let's say, the, the mechanics world that I couldn't find answers for, which I found more down the traditional kind of physics route. And I was annoyed that I couldn't find an answer for some of these questions. So I went off that way myself. And then me and Luke would have calls where I'd be like, oh, dude, I've been doing this. And then we'd kind of go through and geek out on some of that stuff. So like my own education or continued education outside of even the standard things has all played a role in getting within this thing. So it's this odd combination of, yeah, you got to learn the stuff and it's going to take time. You've got to be enthusiastic about all that. But you also have no idea how many doors will open and through whom when you're at any of these things. Yeah, so that, obviously the education in itself is super important, but you never know where then connections um, could lead to six months, two years, five years down the line. Uh, I say that's a key thing rather than sometimes being stuck in your own little bubble, whether that's a gym, whether that's at home, online coach, whatever that is, uh, and just stepping outside yourself. And sometimes, yes, you can learn some stuff online, but what you can experience is what Luke experienced on that first camp. <laughs> it's completely different from an online experience. An online, yeah, experience. you can't get knuckles deep online. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> but anyway, maybe that sounds a bit like you're. You know, we're saying it's all. You know, we're not even saying use the people because the point within that is you don't know what where these doors are going to go. And being a PT can, to some degree, be quite an isolating lonely-ish gig to say which is ironic when you say that you know as a personal trainer you are interacting with people a lot of the time but you know you're interacting with in a way that is often about them and it isn't there are people at different points in their lives with different goals and different kind of things they don't necessarily share your enthusiasm for this thing they just want the outcome that you can help get them and actually it's really great being part of people that share a common passion for something and feel like they're pulling in the same direction and usually as well most of the people there's some exceptions to this but most of the people you meet are really great people and really lovely and funny and warm and cool to be around and you look forward to catching up with them at events uh, and continued education as much as the learning mm. yeah, even, even on a slightly different way but still with the same sort of thought process that uh, the owner of mk um, health hub matt kendrick i coached him five maybe six years ago um online through a little transformation he came and did a sort of day's mentoring um with me but it's only five years later that now we're teaching out of his facility and if i hadn't built good rapport or if i hadn't gone through a successful coaching process at that moment in time with him that relationship never would have been built and we never would be performing our education camps out of his facility now Mm. um so there's there's so many different ways that just ability to build rapport and get connection with someone um 
can lead to things later down the line. The weird part now is that Jimbo has it written into contracts with new clients that if you make it in five years and open a facility, we get to do free shit in your facility. It's just, <laughs> just the base is basically really well. It's a phenomenal clause to put in. I'll be adding that. Oh, that'd be so funny. But that, I mean, on a similar vein, I'm thinking like the triage boys are coming on the portal tonight. I mean, there's a thing people are going to be listening to this podcast probably uh, in a few days' time. So it'll be like, tonight? <laughs> like, no, so Thursday, the 22nd of July, 2021, um, the triage boys are coming on. Um, and I met Gaz. I know Paddy wasn't on that RTS, but I met Gaz and when Larry was at the time, but before they'd even formed triage, like, I met them on. A, on an RTS where they'd come over and like years later you know I know like the, the reason we're all mates um, is because we had that kind of connection back in the day um, and um, and it, yeah I mean, it's the thing it'd be the amount of people um, the amount of people I've met um, the friendships and all that stuff they're, they're I mean the notable ones are all from educational events I mean even Cal in a sense things like Cal worked in a um, worked in the same gym I originally worked in in, in Tunbridge Wells um, but he I met him properly by going up to M10 which is where he went where he moved when I was going up to a, a practical camp or an educational camp whether it was practical or not um, which was again that's why you need to go on these things quite yeah, funny our discussion of education so far has just been about the people <laughs> I know but that's, that's I think that's um, obviously you know you learn such cool stuff um, and we can get onto that in a sec. Um, so, I mean, but I think this probably won't be so useful. People are like, what was the best thing that you learned? It was like, what was the experience of like, you know, there's certain teachers that stick out for me in terms of, I know, like ones that, you know, the, the ones you remember are the ones that communicate things in a really cool way. They're pretty hilarious. They, they create a really cool, safe, fun environment to learn in. Um, but then it's also the people that are in the, in the camps as well. Like that, that's what makes the experience. And that's what, it's the difference between I think there's a lot of people that potentially hold off from going on these in-person events because as maybe understandable in this current like COVID climate and people worried about getting in the same rooms as people but the um you know where there's like the amount of online learning you can do it's attractive in the sense of it's you know it's easy and it's accessible but you miss out on some of these other cool aspects of Certain things that you just it's better to learn in you know, a practical environment as it is, or just in a in a room with people. Um, but also just being part of a cool group of like like-minded, passionate, enthusiastic individuals and getting to know people is awesome. Yeah, and otherwise, if you can't hang out in person and then go for drinks and stuff afterwards, you miss out on all the fun stories that usually end up being the result of of these bits and pieces. Whether that's people throwing up in rickshaws around Leicester Square or swimming in the sea in Barcelona, trying to catch up to a boat dressed in a suit, chasing a small baby doll that I threw off the side of it. Like there's lots of odd things that can happen as a result. That <laughs> um, happened on an educational event. The, the first one did, actually the second one was, so our videographer, Gordon Greenhorn. Gordon was actually my very first coach, like eight, maybe eight years ago, something kind of like that nearly, yeah. And uh, I've then he's a good friend of mine these days. I was on his stag do in, in Barcelona. The story of him swimming after the boat, chasing a small baby doll in a suit. That was cool. Uh, <laughs> but like all those things begin from a 
thing that either, you know, you meet this person, you hire this person, you work with that person, you learn from them. And then, you know, time takes its course and life's take theirs and you see where those things kind of go. And like, I've been to weddings, I've held babies, I've, I've helped, <laughs> been around while people go through divorces. I've seen like the whole wide range of my peers who I've met through these things or people who I've worked under um, and learned from in, in one way, shape or form you still get those attachments. It's the same stuff as, you know, when you're coaching a client, like people often say, don't get too close to your clients. I'm like, if you have a client for six years, good luck not getting close to them. What are you doing? Like you get the same types of things because when you hang out with people for an extended period of time and you're not an asshole, you should bond. <laughs> and that means you share the other bits of life and those things together are great because there's, there's almost nothing better than getting to hang out with people that you really like, but you also respect because there are some people that you like, they're fun to hang out with, but you're like, yeah, he's wrong. <laughs> Always a bit. And there's a conflict that kind of comes up a little bit there. But if you've got great people, you're like, no, I really like this person. They're good. They're fun. They don't take themselves too seriously, but they're also really good. You're like, sweet. That's kind of the best of all worlds as far as I'm concerned. Mm. I think a key point there, what Luke touched on in terms of experience, the ability to experience exercise is, is key. Like, yeah, it's, it's amazing obviously fun to build connections build rapport build relationships um but i say just getting hands-on experience exercise i think in terms of whether it's ability to contract whether that's the ability to train hard like we all think we train hard until we go and train i don't know with a friend or a colleague or a peer or go on a training camp or have someone we look up to put us through a set and then we realize actually there's always another level to this shit do you remember my set at your uh, <laughs> at your gym? I remember the caption to this day, like uh, hearing Paul scream like a prepubescent animal. Yeah, yeah, that's why I got it because it was. I was like, <laughs> right, it was some weird, awful noise that came came out of me as you were going through those things. But you need that in-person stuff as a frame of reference to be like, oh, that's what's possible and plausible here. And if you haven't seen it or been around it, then what does it mean to you? How does it exist for you yet? Yeah. Like, not really. It's even what that's what's, what's possible under control yeah. as well. We all see people just moving away. We all see people making a lot of noise. Yeah. Like that don't mean mean shit. Like what's possible in a controlled environment to reach a high level of fatigue and high level of failure? Yeah, I had um, one of the girls on the the camp. Has got yeah, yeah, Izzy. She won't let me say it has gotten used to like grunting on basically every rep. I was like, Shoot. <laughs> I want your focus inside. That might come out at some point, but if we're doing 20 reps and it's grunting straight from the get-go, you, you probably don't need it, right? <laughs> we, <laughs> we got a bunch of these. So I was like, okay, I know you've learned to do that, but it's bringing your attention away from this contraction we're trying to create because well, there's other things going on that you're then focusing on. I want you to keep that in a little bit and lock that down. And then as it goes on, cool, then we can shift that and the fucking howler monkey noises can come out and all that jazz. But knowing how to get that feedback in real time and actually play around. And let's face facts. Most people learn better from being in person, being hands-on, seeing and touching rather than just hearing or seeing through a screen where it's this flat image. It, it's night and day when it comes to learning mechanics. Mm. The, the key part of that as well is the how you, I, anyone here would coach that set to high level of fatigue. 
there's no way that can be experienced online. But one, to go through that yourself, two, to see a fellow colleague go through that. Uh, so you stand from the outside in a sense and look on in terms of what does the coach do? What's, how does the client respond? If the client does a certain movement or position or adjust something, then how does the coach communicate that? Um, rather, a lot of times when we'll see certain things on social media, we just see the, the, the person pushing, the person spotting, getting louder and louder and louder and screaming more and more. <laughs> like That's not the only way to try and get another rep to or just to continue someone to push through a set. So I think like just to see us push someone to a high level of fatigue, um, that in itself is something you just can't experience online. Yeah, I mean, I, even from same weekend thing, it was, was knowing when to play with each of those things that Jimbo spoke about. Like there's a time and a place to get louder for that person and to get them kind of going. And I've certainly done that. And you'll hopefully when the footage comes out, you'll see some of that uh, from the weekend. But there was also a time we had another guy on the leg press going through some stuff. And there's a big crowd of people and there's almost too many cues coming out at once. I'm like, okay, guys, let's keep this. Or if they then start making this noise, it's like, okay, I made a deliberate choice to go quieter and get closer to it. But being like, right, focus on me for this bit right here. Like they're all kind of screaming and that's useful and he can use that. And when he finished the set, it was like, yeah, it was really cool to have their energy, but it was also nice to have that brought back and like, you no, know, focus on this bit while we're going through this thing. And then you can get it back to that. Like it's, you can't pick up on those dynamics and you certainly can't get them in real time um, and see all the things that are going into that in an online setting. You just can't. Uh, that's just what I was saying, beyond just exercise mechanics, like any kind of learning, right? Because there's a lot of courses I've done that, you could probably do online in the sense of it's just someone talking through a presentation at the front of a room and you're kind of sitting there all day just like but that i'd still go to those in person um in the same way like i think people can attest to it <laughs> i don't know when you when they're at university and there's the option to go and attend the lecture or do it from your bedroom because they put it online and it's like you'll probably learn it better in the actual lecture hall <laughs> and you'll probably because the environment's more suited to the whole learning process, like it's easy to facilitate it. And that's where there's certain things like watching a coach put someone through a set, like there's I'd make an argument that you could get a lot of like value from watching that a video of someone doing that as long as you could see stuff like online. But you get more just from being there and in the in the actual moment with everyone who's involved in that process. Because and it's, I think that's where like be, we're talking, we you know we kind of um, went on to mechanics here, but it applies to everything. Like if you can put yourself in a, in a, like in the in the room with with what's happening, what's being taught, it's usually going to go in and sink in a bit better. Well, one of the big bits as well is look, if you're there in person, you can ask questions in real time and yeah. get an answer right there and then. If you're just yeah. watching this pre-recorded thing, you might be like, "I'd like to ask," and no, you can't. <laughs> There's that lack of feedback, like. I've really enjoyed, there's a dude called Walter Lewin who has a bunch of physics lectures, his university lectures um, from MIT. I feel like um, it's either Walter Lewin or Dan John comes up every time. Bad, these, these people, different domains, but, but Walter Lewin's great. His lectures are great. I really love him as a teacher uh, and the way he demonstrates lots of physics things. Like he attached a pendulum to the ceiling of his lecture hall and acts as the pendulum ball himself <laughs> that swings across the entire oh. room 
to to prove this physics point, which is oh, you're talking about the one where he like stands against the wall, holds yeah, like the wall, and then and and then lets it swing across the other side of the room, and it comes back, and it's just like. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you're imagining this he gets like a 15 kilo bowling ball yeah. thing again on this same pendulum bob and there's this law that that pendulum unless he pushes the ball it's never going to come back any higher than the point it was released from and he trusts this rule of physics and you've been through all the mathematics as to why it's the case but let us test it and so he does the first one and he stands where he's going to put his face but he gives it a little shove and there's a glass pane behind him. And you see this bowling ball swing across the entire room. And it's a massive room. And then swing all the way back and smash through this glass pane, which is where he's going to put his face because he gave a little shove. And he's like, right, we've seen the stakes. <laughs> and then he stands back where that glass thing is, holds the ball against his nose. You can watch this on YouTube. It's cool. Yeah, it's really and then lets it go. And it swings. And you can see it swing across the entire room. You can feel the audience with him like, Oh, fuck. Because <laughs> you kind of go, well, he, he must trust this. But part of your brain's like, but what if it goes wrong and smashes his face off? Well, one of the students comes up and goes, wait. <laughs> yeah, so he just shoves it. Behind. And it comes back right to, like, within a couple of centimetres of his nose and then swings back. And he basically usually finishes these things with going, physics works, and then kind of cracks off. But there's, you know, that's still very cool to see online. But I would have loved to have been in the room no. to see those things or to be able to interact with that person and, and all those kind of things so there is definitely some topics that you can learn online way easier and uh, you don't have to be there in person physics is actually a pretty good example of that but there are still benefits even to that of being in person in terms of interaction asking questions seeing it in three dimensions sometimes is, is really cool mm. especially when it's like you know if you do watch online or something and the way you ask questions is either you message someone on Instagram or comment on the video, it's like you you don't know when that person chooses, you know, the educator chooses to reply, they might not be in the, the headspace that they'd be in terms of they might be in the middle of something else, they'll give you a really quick reply that might not get the answer you want, and then you're like, oh what the hell? It's like, well, yeah, that's just the drawback of, of learning in that scenario. Um does anyone in that case stand <laughs> out as like people you've really enjoyed learning from? Um, great teachers in your careers. Oh, I've got a few, yeah, 100%. I think in terms of, a, I don't know, enjoyed learning from, but who draw your attention, you can't knock how Poliquin draw you, draw you in yeah. in terms of his personality and, and how he I was. I have experienced it, so. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I never saw him in person. Yeah. Uh, his, him and his giant Canadian guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the ones that stand out for me... Um, and probably names people have heard me say many times uh, Michael Jacques um, what I, I haven't seen, been in a room with him but what I have seen of him I like is Tom Purvis's stuff um, both of you guys um, I've learned a lot, a lot of stuff from you guys but the way you guys can get stuff that's the way it's stuck out hence why we're all part of the team um, um, I mean I'm going to go on here um, so if we let's let's wander through them a little bit so we can figure out like what is it about those people that's great so if we start with Harlequin then like what if you can figure out what it was because like that's a hard thing to ask on one level because you're asking the essence of this person but like what what stuck out for you about Harlequin? Uh, I think one of the big things with Harlequin was just his ability to <laughs> whether it's take the piss or not but still just crack it's it's just crack a joke like create some sort of laughter trying to ease the situation because it 
can be a, a, a nervous situation for some people to be in and stuff. So to try and, in a sense, adjust the tone of the room yeah. um, by cracking a joke. And obviously, uh, obviously, Paul, well, you'll crack a few jokes. I probably won't, but we'll just take the piss out of each other, I know, within our own education yeah. in, in general. Right. Like the best thing I think is actually Jimbo has definitely started doing more of it since <laughs> in um, the last few. I would say that reminds me, and I know he, he was on Polycon's team, but Luke Lehman was another one of mine. And I know the reason he stuck out for me initially was I was like, I've never been on a course where someone will make so many jokes that will really push the boundaries <laughs> the appropriate. Um, and also just like, you know, just troll people in the crowd. Like, like he'll pick up, you know, I remember, I think I remember uh, he, um, I remember I answered a question once and he was like, and I, there was me sitting at the front with like, you know, sh- I, I think I was shaving my head at that point, like tattoos and stuff. And he kind of stopped and went, he was like, you know, you're a lot, you're a lot smarter than you look. And I was like, I was like, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, and then I was, and then I had this like smug look and he was like, you don't need to look so smug now. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and he just makes those comments where he's like, oh, and he's just like, no, he'll, he'll destroy you if he wants to. <laughs> so I remember it's like, just, it cracks me up so much to be in those sorts of environments. I'm who, who was this? That was Luke Lehman. Oh, I, I was guessing Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was saying he, he's similar. He obviously, maybe that was why he, he was on Polyquin's team because they were obviously similar of crack jokes and yeah. and those sorts of stuff. That was my experience. Very fun. Who was first up on your list, Elu? Uh, I, I think I don't know if I said Jacques or Michael. Um, but the, um, I mean, Jacques always stuck out for me as being probably one of the most animated um, and like overtly enthusiastic about the thing he was teaching i mean that kind of i think michael crosses into that as well but like jacques i think just would properly get excited and and it, i remember and probably um, we're gonna be on a call with him later but the way he'll kind of go into his own zone sometimes and he'll just like geek out about something just like i think this is awesome and you're just like so do i now so do i <laughs> yeah, exactly if that thing there, but it, i think when you get those educators that clearly care and get excited about what they're trying to communicate it's, and like like with Walter Lewis um you know it's like it, it makes you but well, it's contagious it's all people talk about yeah enthusiasm is contagious yeah but you're just more um enthusiastic as a result of being exposed to that um which is cool I think it's quite it's really like gonorrhea that's what we're learning um, yeah and the, the but that's the sense of like physics for instance you look at Walter Lewis and you'll be like because there's not, I would say there's no topic that's inherently boring. It's how it's communicated. And I remember the example being people would think, oh, philosophy is really boring. There was some professors at university when I was there, and they they were boring. They yeah. what they were, they, which makes what they're communicating boring. But then you'll get someone else. I remember there was one, um, there was one uh, course I was on. I think it was like history of philosophy or something. The guy who was teaching it was like just sinfully boring like literally <laughs> like, like, I really uh, sinfully boring yeah. you are so dull it is a sin yeah <laughs> and it was like but to the point where like no one rocked up at his lectures um and um like the, and occasionally i'd go and there would be like four people in the whole thing i was like i'm pretty sure there's like 50 people on the school um but then you go to there was the uh in like the the seminars you would do um 
you go and then you like there was a particular one and luckily I was to be a part of it. Like the person taking it was like one of the usually the PhD students and they were super enthusiastic and everyone was like, I'll go to those because they this is where I can actually get on with the topic and have a bit of you know enthusiasm as a result of this person being enthused by it. You're like, oh sweet. And I think that that's the thing. There'll be potentially educators out there in the fitness industry that people have learned from being like, like, I don't get that subject. Or, and it's like, well, maybe it's just the way it was communicated there and there wasn't enough enthusiasm or whatever. And that could be something. I also remember um, my mum told, told me a story of a teacher of hers when she was, I think, in primary school. So this is like quite funny for how long this is stuck in her mind and even the fact that it was stuck in mine, was there's a hill back in my hometown of Herefordshire called Dyndor. It's a steep, horrible hill. And he, this guy was a, was teaching some history. I don't know if he was a full history teacher because I think it was primary school. So perhaps it could have been high school. This isn't a relevant part of the story. This. this is poor storytelling. Let's assume it was high school because he was a history teacher in my head. And it was kind of talking like, what is it like to try and storm like a castle or a position? So the Battle of 1066, you've got these people on a hill people at the bottom of the hill and you've got to run up while they shoot arrows and this, that, and the other kind of at you. So all he did instead was just took them on an expedition to the bottom of this hill and went, right, we're going to sprint up this hill <laughs> and got to put some stuff on. And then they all just ran up this hill trying to kind of get to it and get to the top. It's like, right now imagine doing that under arrow fire and your mates dying over there and you're trying to try like, now you've got to go and hit people with some swords and stuff. Like, if you can create an experience... And now cue the arrows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it really took it up a notch. But if, if you can create that experience, I think that's, that's where great teaching starts to exist because by necessity, when we're teaching something, we're taking something you don't yet know. Mm. So it has to live in a realm that you're not completely familiar with yet because you don't know it yet. So how can I take that and put it into a realm that you do know? And one of the ways of that is it is to experience it. And that's kind of what bringing this back a little bit to what Jimbo was saying with you have to go and experience those things. These things sound really abstract when we talk about talks and path of motions and yeah, yeah, yeah. but the moment you set that up and do it and do it appropriately, you'll get an experience where you're like, I've been training for years and I've never had that. What the fuck is that? You might not know exactly why, but you know something is different. And that often then lends a curiosity that can drive a whole the whole rest of the learning process. And I think the best teachers find a way of, whether they've consciously thought that or not, they find a way of doing something that's like that. And the, the, like, the, the key part with that as well is that whether you're face-to-face -face coaching or whether you've got to deliver an online format of, of training is the experience your clients get when they go through your program, when they go through your exercise, when they go through that rep, that set, um, that is what, makes and breaks a certain movement uh, is can you transform your client's experience with a deeper understanding of exercise mechanics uh, if you can then you're going to draw them in and you're going to hold that client and that client's going to stay with you for that part of the service because you give so much more value because you transformed how it how it feels if i was going back to being a young trainer and i knew some of the shit i'd know now running like taster sessions or walking the floor at david lloyd and stuff would have been the easiest thing in the world because i've just gone around and helped a couple of things on a leg extension once i was there given a few tweets created an experience they're like oh 
oh, that's different and effective and useful. And it would make selling so easy in those, in those kind of days, but that might be a slightly different, different kind of thing. And what else? So we've gone, how about Michael? We haven't really mentioned Michael yet. And we've always say, Paul, who's your um, educator that's left a stamp on you? So Walter, Walter Lewin and Dan John. <laughs> there are definitely people on the list. So we've ne- mentioned Walter Lewin. Dan John, it's a running joke in here now that I like to reference Dan John for everything under the sun. Um, but anyone who's willing to name their book, Never Let Go, which is after the fourth rule of Hawks in the Sword and the Stone series, anyone who's willing to name their book after something that nerdy is someone that I can very much kind of get on board with. But, for, you know, for me, that's a guy that, you know, he's in his 60s now, encapsulates a lot of wisdom. And that he certainly wouldn't be someone I would agree with on training, like, modalities, in particular these days. But in terms of his blending of a lifelong approach to living, lifting, and learning, which is one of the subheadings uh, for Never Let Go, I don't know that I know anyone who brings more wisdom to the table uh, than him. Uh, I actually still think if you took him through these things and showed him and did that stuff, he'd be like, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't ever get a sense from him that he's not enthusiastically wanting to learn and wanting the best for someone and just being a great person at the same time as a, as a great educator. So Dan John is definitely one. But, I mean, Michael has to be high on the list for all of us. We've, we've not said it, but he has a really lovely disposition and personality when teaching that doesn't make anyone feel stupid, that is encouraging that doesn't he very rarely just gives you the direct answer but he'll definitely like hold your hand guide you to it um in ways that are useful or he'll do things where you'll he's leading you to the deliberately wrong so this if i was pointing to my arm he's like and this bone this is the femur no okay the uh, until you correct him you know the humorous you're like okay the humorous my bad right also he'll do things that he knows based on the person in front of him is a relevant way to get them to answer something or get them engaged in something. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think other than the guys we've already said and, and yourselves, obviously, otherwise it wouldn't be part of this kind of thing. Like, yeah, Michael has a, a wonderful way of, of teaching. Class is the word. Yeah. Class is a good word. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the training side of stuff, other than the time that you squealed like a baby, whatever it was, chow or whatever. <laughs> When are either of your uh, first times when you thought, okay, that's another level of training intensity? Like when you've had someone, whether it's a colleague, whether it's on a course or a camp or something, you're like, shit, I didn't know I could go there. Yeah. I didn't know that next level was was possible. Yeah, foundations, uh, like foundations of the Integra RTS stuff. Um, first time I did a leg extension set. I was like, <laughs> what the hell was that? Um, was uh, was definitely, I will always remember that. I, it was, I remember two things distinctly from that thing. One being, you know, why is a lat race harder when my arm is held out to the side versus just laying by my side? And I was like, why don't I know the answer to that? And that really annoys me. And then the other one was the experience of, uh, of a leg extension. Yeah, I think that mine, I can't remember if there was a point on a camp that jumped out at me. But it was uh, it was it was when I was actually just training with Michael. So like I remember when I was doing stuff and we did like uh, I think that was one of the toughest initial sets ever where we did like um, a, a 
we were doing a superset on leg extension straight into the side of your leg press in his, in his studio. And it wasn't like, a, we'll do it and then we'll wander over and I'll have a quick drink and then we'll get on with the other, with the leg press. It was literally like, he took me till there was nothing left in the leg extension. Like, and I was probably annoying people three floors above us in that building by how loud I was. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was grunting and then, um, uh, and then literally got off and I was like, and he was like, right, straight up to the leg press. And then bear in mind, for those that haven't been to Michael's studio, it's what, like 10, 15 feet walk? Um, yeah, not the studio. But like at that point, I was like, that's a long way. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I was like, I'll just get a quick drink. He was like, no, no drink, get straight over there. And I was like, what? I was like, can I take, come? He was like, no, straight over. And I was like, what? And then went over and, and like just straight in. I don't think we'd even warmed up on that. He was like, oh, it's enough for and just went straight in and like destroyed me. Um, and I was like, but again, just kind of kept the set going and stuff like that. And then was like, also, and he was like, also, that's all we're doing today. Because at the moment that was appropriate. Right? We just do one set on each. And I was like, what? But I'm used to doing like two or three. And he was like, no, no. He was like, that's enough. And I was like, what? Had I thought, had I known that, I'd have pushed even harder. <laughs> there's that point of like a few minutes later, I was like, I'm probably good to go again. And I was like, that's how hard I can go. I was like, I was like, that's the hardest I've gone, and I probably can go harder because I, I was expecting to do more sets here. That was quite hard for me, and that was still an education experience. You on a camp, but it proves again, you have to experience that stuff. Um, that was, yeah, that was. How, awesome. about, how about you, Jibber? I don't know if there's one. I got a few examples that are popping into my head. Um, I think like on a Poloquin train, we on a Poloquin five day training camp. Um, I've a lot of training. Wait, 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 wait! Don't you mean that it was the time when you came onto the first muscle mental seminar that we ever did, and you were an attendee in the crowd? And it was the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking forward to in the muscle mentors training camp coming up in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> now, so I was on a, a Poloquin five-day training camp, um, and one of the exercise setups he had i said there's two examples actually that come into mind both happen to be on the bench press um for some reason but he was like okay you're gonna do a set of 25 <laughs> but you're gonna start with a weight you can do five and then you're gonna have two people like you so we're doing a bench barbell bench press probably not this not the safest exercise <laughs> to do when we're looking back but it's like you know barbell bench press set of 25 start with a weight you can do five but make sure the bar's loaded up with appropriately enough to come off so i'd like i think i had like 10 kilos 10 kilos 10 kilos 10 kilos so you do your five pause for a second not rack it because you've got someone either side strips it someone either side they strip it go back in for another five strip it go back in for another five um so that's one example that comes to mind so just that what you think is failure when you've done a set of 25 before whereas really for that first 20 you're just chilling yeah, yeah. It's only that last five that's actually near high level fatigue. So to do a set where not every rep, but a huge proportion of the reps in there, you're getting close to that point of failure, but you just keep on going and going and going. That's one example. And then another example that comes to my mind on the bench press again, it was like, you're going to do six reps, try and get to the point where you'd fail if you went a seventh one. So you're pushing close to your sit rep max. But then you're going to do two more eccentrics. So you go to and you control that down for a five second eccentric. And then the spotter is going to pick the bar up and you're going to hold it at the top for eight seconds. 
So we're doing all this. We got a spotter, and then you got two people either side to make sure it literally just doesn't collapse down on you. Yeah. But the ability to, again to go to what was my perceived point of failure on that six rep max, and then do a eccentric for five seconds, have the bar picked physically picked up because I had nothing in me. Yeah. Somewhat get some form of control, and then control down for another five seconds to then get picked up and then hold it at the top almost shitting myself that this my arms are going to buckle and the bar is going to come crashing down on the head but then you know you've got poliquin over in the corner or something like that you there's no way you're giving up at all yeah <laughs> so mm-hmm. i think there's one that sort of training camp comes to mind another thing that comes to mind is the milos sarkev training camp where if anyone doesn't know milos is all about mm-hmm. giant sets and not at this stage that's right or wrong but the giant sets, I think some people view giant sets as when it's just three exercises paired, like his ones are like so, <laughs> Milos's giant sex uh, sets of uh, sex. <laughs> Milos's giant sex camp. It was, uh, <laughs> I've never trained harder in my life. <laughs> I really had to hydrate, folks. <laughs> um, I think the, the set that comes to my mind, because I, I remember the set for some reason, because Phil Graham recorded it, um, but it was. Was it a 40-minute video? <laughs> it wasn't far off. Um, it was a pendulum squat. Again, it's not like this is a pendulum squat warm-up. It's a pendulum squat to failure. Hacks straight in, literally walk off that. The hack squat M10 is right next to it. So walk straight into the hack squat. And now the hack squat performed with slow, concentric, force reps, force negatives, force like everything on there. The next one to that was leg press. Onto the leg press, um, played on there. Then I hobbled over to the leg extension. And the reason why I remember this as well, I think it's my 30th or 31st birthday. So Milos was like 30 reps. This was like, (laughs) put a weight on, I could really only get 10 to 15 or something. Kept on just going, just moving it, moving it. Then I literally got off that. And I remember seeing it on video, sort of buckled. One of the knees gives way. Had to walk around to the V squat. Um, to do that, I think facing in, then facing out, um, and then walk over <laughs> and do barbell squats. I think that's 60 kilos on the bar. Unrack the bar, bent my knees, and no joke, that was, it was a box squat as well. So, I say, luckily, he'd put the box there. As soon as I bent my knees, it just collapsed. <laughs> I think, it, like, Milos, Milos, I could pick me up tried to go again with some form of control and there's about six or eight reps there where he literally just picked me up each time and there's nothing in there um so i feel like you need to uh, find this video i want to see this video yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's more the fact that when you think you're done you yeah. never are there's more yeah. in the tank um and me before them a couple of examples and before them training camps i'd always train hard but it'd been a traditional six eight ten twelve reps with not too much stuff to extend the set or not too many exercises paired back to back. So the discomfort you get from that stuff just takes it up another level. Yeah. And not that them examples are right or wrong or things that I want you guys to go and implement. And I know I definitely implement it in a different manner if I was to take someone through that type of thing. Um, but it just shows potentially what's possible when you've got some safety mechanisms in place.
I mean, really what we're saying is that on our training camp, there is going to be at least one version of this kind of thing for the lols. The Jimbo's running. <laughs> I'm just going to try and recreate that set. I mean, I feel like we've said it now. Like, Never come if your birthday is on the thing, just what you should have just done. <laughs> Jimbo's <laughs> taking that personally. Yeah. Unless you're like, three what? years old or something. And it's only yeah, ten. Exactly. <laughs> I'm four today. Uh... <laughs> People are going to be like, what What the hell are they talking about? Um, for the record, we're going to be... Um, announcing a well renouncing now that we're going to be um i don't know locking in a date for a, a training camp kind of thing which is where like not so much for those that have done our educational camp like the practical camp stuff it will, that's there's a lot of that's where it's entirely a learning experience like this one will be a little bit of learning stuff and then we'll just be getting stuck in and doing sessions together um it it will be, be an excuse for us to be some people, but it <laughs> it will be done definitely in an educated, yeah, it will be done in an appropriate manner. Whereas I know some of the right stuff way. that I've done before has just been like, I don't know, right? They're trying to kill you on that set. Yeah, no, we want to make sure we assess that this is right for you first. But if it is, you're getting fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you won't be getting barbell back squats ten ten exercises into a giant set. <laughs> No, that'll be 12 exercises. I was going to say it'll be 11. Um, no, <laughs> but no, yeah, it will be it'll basically be applying what we teach on the other things, but giving people the opportunity to to actually, you know, like we're talking about this experience, to experience it in that actual training scenario as opposed to like the odd set here and there, like in the middle of a bunch of um, a bunch of geeky stuff. Um, yeah. So no, so that's really cool. But as I said, about, there you go. I mean, how about even things like, you know, either for you tennis-wise or Jimbo, like basketball back in the days, any like pre-season horror workouts ever jumping? No. about a few like rugby pre-season ones where I've definitely thrown up? No, like with tennis, like the only time I was ever, so I went, I was in Barcelona briefly in the, in the tennis academy there, um, but there wasn't, I think they're all, at that level, they're not too ridiculous in the way they don't push people unnecessarily just to the point where they'll throw up and I think well, I, I came back and there was a guy you, you were in the you could say the right or the wrong sport yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no but it's the thing like, like I could have probably been fitter but I know that you know knowing now I think they obviously knew that that's not the way to accomplish it like pushing people to the point they throw up but there was a that when I came back from there and I was training with a guy up in Orpington actually so not far from where you are um Paul that is for those that um be like who did I do Chester to? Um, the uh, but yeah, and that was where that was like the most serious. I took the fitness, but that would literally be as far as it went. There would be like after certain, so we'd spend like two hours drilling stuff on the tennis court, and then he'd be like, just go and run laps around the rugby pitch for now, or go over to that hill. Uh, well, yeah, it would literally it'd be like go and go over to that hill and just do sprints for the rest of the time. It was like uh, like a hill sprint, so that, that wouldn't be an hour. It was like just those sort of things, but it was never any kind of. The structure. I mean, they were brutal, but the only problem there is you were left to your own devices, so you kind of regulate the intensity. And you, as, you know, when you're like a you know, 16 year old kid, you'd be like, "I'll just dial it down a bit." Yeah, well, everyone does, even as an adult. Like, I want if there's other people around, you push up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. The times when you'd go and do it with someone, you'd be like, "Oh, it's way better." Um, when you're like so some muddy field in Orpington in like the winter, it's like just going around the hill. It's like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I really want to push it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean Jimbo I imagine you didn't you just blew out both your knees and was it uh, 
<laughs> no, I even so I'm not even thinking about anything the way I've injured myself. I'm just well, something that comes to mind because it part of a you could have an understanding for if you understand exercise and mechanics, you can understand how it fits certain people and not others. Within basketball training, I assume within any team sports training, at certain points, pre-season or during the season, it's going to be absolutely brutal. But there's this coach, when I lived in Liverpool, played basketball for a year there when I was 19 or so. Um, and there was this American coach, and for some, I don't know why I just said it's American, but it's some reason it just seems to be more brutal than I'd experienced before anything. I'd, I'd had some tough coaches after that, but this guy just had some different, I'd say, thought processes. Um, so I can't remember what would happen, but someone would, I don't know, miss an easy layup or something just silly where they just shouldn't do. They make a simple mistake where they shouldn't do. And then you're right, right, go and get the weights. So in the back, like back storeroom, <laughs> there was a box of two and three kilo little dumbbells. Yeah. So we'd go and oh, have to run in there, run super quick, go and get each, go and get, you'd rush to go and get the two kilos. But then like, you'd make sure someone like myself, like make sure you got the threes, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you go and get them. And then you go back to like behind the, behind the net on the line and like, right, run sixes. The six would be up and back six times. So there's one, two, three, so you go six times. But you'd be holding the weights above your head. Oh, that's one of those. So, like, someone like myself who hasn't, like, now, even nowadays, got amazing flexibility, you can say, amazing mobility or joint mobility. But at that point, I wasn't aware of anything. You just had to hold it up there. Like, the discomfort, I'd say, I'd get through my lower back, performing that wasn't optimal. So we'd have to do that. And then we'd have to go do, through different foot, like, defensive foot drills. So if anyone knows that, you'd, like, come into sort of position basically where you're half squatting down um your femurs almost about parallel to the floor in a defensive sort of basketball defensive position and you'd have to hold the weights out like a static lateral raise okay. either in front either front or side of you so you'd yeah. like a front raise um or a static lateral raise in that top position while you're doing quick feet footsteps and you're holding that dumbbell out and there's like guys like myself long arms i can burn it like crazy you've got these five foot little guys who have relatively easy in that position um so and then there's one the final is, one is this why they dropped you james why were there five foot people in your yeah. basketball team all i'm hearing is a lot of excuses here james the final the final one that comes to mind as well with the weights we'd go over to the wall and we'd perform a wall squat phenomenal so again someone like myself with a long femur in that position as well and then we'd form a wall squat and i'd have the three kilos but the two or three kilos would be held above our head oh, and it was literally like you just hold it until everyone's done so the first person <laughs> drops out and stuff like that and then the second person drops out and you're just like trying to hold it and then I, I think like if you didn't make that last five or something like that you all had to do a sprint you all had to do a suicide or something and that was without the weights at that point but there was some like forfeit for um like bailing out but just if you have an understanding obviously of segmental proportions if you have an understanding of limb lengths things like that you can see well for some people they were relatively i say relatively comfortable no one was comfortable um whereas other people it was just you mean your basketball coach didn't have an appreciation of these things <laughs> no no magic because uh, yeah that just comes to mind out of the probably up there is the most brutal Probably yeah. why they do it though, so you have amazing stories to tell when you're older on a podcast. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing this so that in however many years' time you're gonna be on a podcast and we can talk about it. 
One of actually my favourite ones, which isn't related to preseason or even working that hard, was there was we played rugby and some lad got tackled on the other team, got up, immediately spewed all over the side of the pitch. Apparently been out like all night and had only got in like a couple of hours before. Got tackled again, spewed again. It was just like did this a few times. Like he has to go off. He can't be throwing up everywhere during all these things. This has nothing to do with preseason. It just reminded me of suffering. Well, this is going to be that guy. Yeah, it was pretty good. No, that's brutal. Um, I don't know. How do we get on that? I don't know. I was going to say, what, what do we, how do we get on? Education? This is education. Education. <laughs> well, right. I mean, I remember, like, how did you first come across, like, Poliquin and stuff, Jim? Because, I mean, for me, I remember, you know, this is, I think, my 11th year of being a PT. And so, you know, when you first qualify, you do your thing. And then it was doing the courses that the course provider gave of, like, continued options, right? So I did, like, a a functional course and a sports performance and a core one and etc. The kettlebell one. I know the yeah. answer to this. Uh, I'm, am I right, Jimbo, in that you discovered him by searching, how can I add an inch to my arms in a day? <laughs> <laughs> but there is a, there's a, there is the yeah. inch in a day program. For <laughs> um, and then I think for me, it was, you start doing that. And then some of the promises and things you think were going to work aren't doing as well as, uh, you know, you, you feel like they should be doing like these, the leg press into the BOSU squats weren't growing me as well as I'd hoped they might. And I think, was, that, was that one of his? No, that was oh. just like standard level three. To sort of Paul Check type thing. Well, then I think I found Paul Check. I'm trying to remember which one. No, I think I found T Nation first. I think there was PT on the net, which is going back ages for, for some people there. Then there was T Nation. T Nation then was it's still going um but was like the first place on the internet really you started to be exposed to i found like eric cressy and tony gentle core and john romanello and dan john through that kind of thing and etc and sorry who was that last one who was that last one it'd <laughs> be jim vendler and dave tate and all those kind of guys as well so you're like ah, oh, there's some more snc stuff in here turns out that was a actually better than the shit i had been doing so that was cool and grow a little bit then i think i found check um whose book how to eat move and be healthy will convince you that you're dying from basically everything and that you should change your entire existence never get a microwave i think Jimbo, how long did you not have a microwave for seven years <laughs> something like that it was yeah. just cold food yeah yeah exactly it's all those kind of things i was the same but i never read that book obviously maybe had it from <laughs> The reason I didn't was based on the premise that it doesn't make sense that you smash your food with any type of radiation. Um, and then I heard that it also vaporized like most of the like polyphenols or phytonutrients or something like that. And it was like, I was just having it. But then I, looked, I went and looked into it. I was like, there's no evidence of this. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, those were the claims, right? Like, yeah. don't be using biphenol A. And then, and then you look at the things, they're like, actually, it turns out microwaving leads to the highest nutrient content of all the cooking methods for vegetables. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, but that didn't matter because there was no way. Verification was not a thing. You could just make claims. That's all you had to do. It was and definitely the radiation thing. Yeah. It was definitely the radiation thing. It was like intuitively like radiation, food, terrible idea. Yeah. Well, if I microwave me, I'd die. So, I mean, I probably shouldn't be doing it. Right? So it appeals to those bits. And there's something in us that is drawn towards that kind of argument, clearly. So then I found Czech. Then it was Poliquin. Poliquin's stuff was definitely better than all the stuff I had been doing. 
but it did lead me down having to get every bio sig supplement protocol under the sun and spend a gajillion pounds uh on dim <laughs> various things um in an attempt to you know decrease my subscap reading and uh i think eventually after that i then found your, your subscap reading <laughs> just get in there somewhere <laughs> exactly um i think i then found like the evidence-based crowd so it was there was Brad Schoenfeld and Lyle McDonald and Alan Aragon and Eric Helms and, and those kind of guys. And then finally into the biomechanics realm. And that's sort of been that process for me. How about yours? This is Jimbo. Either of you. I, I never did Poliquin. No, early, early on, I got into Poliquin a little bit, um, but that was more through the, the biosignature side of stuff, but not so much the training side of it. Because early on in my career, training-wise, I thought, I know everything there is to know about training. <laughs> and absolutely everything. I mean, I think... Training for eight I did. He's actually gone backwards. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you... Re- didn't you regress when you did RCS? <laughs> <laughs> um, I trained for eight years, probably, at that point. Um, and what person in your gym who's trained for eight years doesn't think they know everything? <laughs> so <laughs> I got into um, personal training and I was like, I don't need to worry about that. I just need to figure out a bit of business, how to sell a little bit and how to keep clients. Um, so I thought oh, there must be a, a different way. So then I went down like a, a functional training route yeah. um, and did a load of studying over in the States, which was kind of ridiculous amount of money, but had some good memories. Where did, who, who did you go with? What did you do? A guy called Gary Gray. Yeah, you um, can go into Gary Gray stuff. Now was a bit out there with some of the stuff he did, and <laughs> but it took me down a route, took me down a training route, which I sort of, I'd say, programmed for clients, but kept finding myself going back to, I'll call it traditional bodybuilding movements, um, and then got a bit into the Poliquin training side of stuff, some of his courses, um, and it wasn't until a good few years later that I found RTS and found exercise mechanics and realized that wasn't actually a thing. Um, but yeah, early on in my career, I just thought there was a different way, thought there had to be a new way, thought there had to be a better way. And I was like, no, I actually just master what I've always done since I was 14 years old and really understand that. That's key. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's my journey of exercise mechanics. Exercise mechanics is one of those ones that like, I think people who are new to the industry it's way more spoken about now than it was like some underground movement for you like i was in the industry for like eight years or so before i discovered this was a thing and then you're like why do i not know this yeah yeah i mean that that was my my entry was before i was even qualified i've spoken about this later i won't go into it much um because i went and did the the BPAC camp while I was at uni in Nottingham. He saw Jim from across a room. Right then, love at first time. Um, but the, um, yeah, that was, so I, I was a guy and then I think they mentioned it a few times um, and I was already following him, you know, so you, I'd see what he would talk about on, on like, YouTube and stuff like that and then, um, uh, yeah, and then came back to him for some more stuff and you mentioned RTS so I got straight in like whilst I was getting my level three and then so it was an easy that was the weird thing that was when you're doing level three and you're like they don't mention it anyway like, <laughs> you're like, oh, is it is it wrong um and uh but yeah and then and then i think 
I kind of, I suppose I kind of got some of this into like the polyquin stuff because I went quite quickly and discovered muscle nerds um, through some of the guys that I met on RTS, like were one of the guys who worked at UP in London, had some ticket, had a spare ticket to the muscle nerds event they were holding. And, and I'd met him on RTS and he was like, oh, well, do you want to have this ticket? And then I met, so that was muscle nerds, Luke Neiman, who was originally one of polyquins chief guys so i kind of suppose i got some of that i think they tweaked it and, you know they do their own thing but i think some of the concepts are similar um so i got some lessons that and then that kind of steered me off down like the functional medicine route but all the while i was pretty much straight into nerding out mechanics um and then i re- recently realized that it's all bullshit and the level three pt course all i needed so so we're announcing our level three PT qualification uh, with the muscle mentors. <laughs> very, very soon. <laughs> no, no. Um, but no, so yeah, I think like, that was where I was fortunate. But then at the same time, obviously, you know, the, you, the, the stuff you guys have to say about polyquid and things, it would have been, you know, it's, it's all very good. So it would have been an interesting experience. I think, I think luckily, you know, I don't know if that's some shit to say, but luckily you guys discovered the mechanic stuff um, because it is definitely more eye-opening. Um, I don't know how many, if there are people who still just wholly base everything they do on the polyquin side of things, it'd be interesting. I imagine there's less and less now and people are kind of getting clued in on some of the other stuff, even if it's like, I know a lot of those people that study the polyquin probably would naturally transition over to some of the guys with muscle nerds because I know Luke Lehman, yeah, he probably has that audience in some respects. I know even those guys are, are starting to include a little bit more mechanic stuff and I think the stuff they talk about. So, well, it's all part of the process of continued learning, and yeah. I think we sometimes forget that our industry is still pretty young. Yeah. It's not been around that long. It is itself still searching for truth and answers. And yeah, and, and, yeah. Science in general is young, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and it and personal training is one of those things that has a disparate number of topics in it. Like, so we have fields within this that are currently talking about mindfulness and intuitive eating and value systems. Which is all bullshit. <laughs> and then we, and then we have this <laughs> side. just get absolute like like shade for a further. No, that was that was a joke, people. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have these other side of things, which is physicsy stuff and anatomy bits and pieces. And then there might be sports performance within here. And then there's who knows what other parts make up your particular job and what you're having to do. And so they're all almost all of those fields are themselves quite young. So the integration of all those topics, which are themselves young, is itself very young. And so we shouldn't expect uh, the industry to be holding to certain things we believe five years ago or 10 years ago. You know, the, the, the longer this industry stands, the more secure the footings it's based on should become because the more they've been exposed to rigorous uh, evaluation and scrutiny, and then we can become more and more secure. And that's kind of, I think, why we're seeing the biomechanics side of thing really coming to fruition. Because it's based in physics, it is pretty secure. Once you lock down some of these principles, you're like, oh, okay, I, I'm actually pretty confident in my foundation here. And then I can start to build on top of that. Whereas previously, we were just going on like, well, Poliquin said, <laughs> and then this guy said the microwave was going to fuck us all up. And I have no way of verifying that. And 
And then you might have discovered, oh, I could I could defer to a meta-analysis or a systematic review or this randomized control trial over here. It's like you know, physics is more solid than any of those. So let's build on that where we can, and then we can layer on these levels of evidence, and then we can become more and more secure in what we do. And it's like those, I suppose there's a question of like, in a few years' time, is it, is it you know, is RTS and exercise mechanics going to be what polyquin is today of like this thing that oh yeah that was the thing that everyone did and now there's this other area that people have realized is really cool and and hit <laughs> i would i would wager not because of where it's grounded um and i'd say I, I think the more of a voice that side gets it's interesting that like <clears throat> the the standard of the the exercise professional on a whole i'd say if you and the more people that hear about the mechanic side and that mindfulness and you know being, being able to coach people on all these different fronts, um, being aware of value systems and psychology and communication and how all these things are getting more and more airtime. I think you're going to see a standard in the industry that has been doing this and as this stuff becomes more prevalent, it's going to take kind of a very sharp turn upwards where... Uh, I, would, I would question that. No, I mean, no, I'd say, I'd say, obviously, obviously as a whole, like, be a 5% of the industry yeah, yeah, yeah. Over, over time, no, over time, that 5% the, will grow. The other uh, 95 will just be staying. No, that, that'll always be that. But I would say as that 5% grows, which it inevitably will, I'd say it's, it's a matter of time, like with, you know, for instance, the, uh, there's some potentially something happening. Uh, well, there is something happening. You can't go into details where there's going to be a, a, and it's not us, but a level three PT like course that's being created and it's going to include mechanics. So there's going to be people coming in that get that information. I think there's going to be more and more that does that. So it might take a few years, but I would say that 5% will grow. Um, Here's the, the, the difficulty is we're saying that a bunch of these important topics to be good as a PT are growing in our understanding of them and this, that, and the other. That also increases the demand on what you need to know when you're beginning as a PT, which then means the length of the course would have to increase, which means the cost would have to increase. So there's yeah, going to be like there's, stuff that, there's stuff that you can definitely remove. <laughs> For sure. But I think we're going to find a bit of a clash because oh. something has to give there, right? Either we raise the standard that is expected as the minimum level by increasing the almost the barrier to entry, because you're going to have to make it more expensive to make it longer to make you know, actually give you the time to learn those things. Probably should be. Sorry. Which it probably should be. Uh, or we're going to have the issue that Jimbo is, is sort of seeing there where we're going like, we're seeing a very biased selection tool yeah. here. Right, uh, yeah, yeah. Who we interact with and who we see and that yeah. is representative of the pure gym down the road. And I think, I think that, but that's what obviously one of our aims and our missions is that, you know, with what we communicate is to try and get it in front of as many people and it's going to take a while but eventually i'm confident that not just us but with like the combined effort of what we do in rts and these like triage and all these voices that are kind of getting all that that mechanics stuff and all the other stuff we just mentioned there's other areas that can make people better coaches out there um you know once they once they get a, a footing i think there will be a, a shift um in, in quality in a very in the right direction but it will take I agree, Jimbo. It will take a while. <laughs> playing devil's advocate, really. No, 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 no. I agree. I'm not, I'm not naive enough to be like, everyone's awesome now. It's like, that's definitely not the case. Um, but it's going in the right direction. It's just cool. Um, probably wrap so up. If you are anyone who wants to further your... I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, but um, that is a point. I mean, that's it. That's one of the things. So the guy, people that have been learning with us, um, we've obviously you know had that very rocky period where learning in general was kind of shunned into the online space because of um, or shunted into the online space, I should say, because of what happened with COVID and everything like that. Now it's opening up again, and just based on what we've noticed with our like our community and our students and stuff, and how they learn best, like we know that. It's, it's very evident that learning in a in a prep like in, in a seminar basically you know, an in-person experience is is more effective and we're going to be doing a lot more of those so if you um if you are an exercise professional and, and some of the stuff that we've spoken about is like you're like oh yeah i kind of want to get in on that on some of those experiences then come along um because that's you know they're, they're all there designed to make you better and you know you'll meet some pretty awesome people us included um but no and it, it will probably when, when could i come along to a muscle mentors education camp <laughs> right. well we got what well, the next one's in october um so beginning yeah. of october we, we we're going to be i mean you go on our the last post i did on social media but there's going to be more but we'll be finding that a lot at the moment and then we spoke about a training camp which will be announced soon so for, and, for anyone who's not 100 sure the second and third second and <laughs> yeah, yeah we should probably be specific um and um, you can find that on our website, www.themosselmentors.co.uk. And at the top, there's a bit that says practical camps. We just have to click that. Um, and there's an early bird on now, so you probably want to go get involved. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then we'll be announcing the training camp soon, which should be pretty cool. And again, that might be the, an experience that for those that want that or want to get hands-on and beasted a bit if you might want to come along. And that's going to be a smaller group for the record because oh, yeah, yeah. you can't oh. make people through that at once and give them your attention. Yeah, exclusivity is the word. Yeah. So if you want Jimbo's fingers in your ass, much like Luke had, <laughs> yeah. this is an opportunity not to be missed. A hell of an experience, people. <laughs> um, Luke would even have this career were it not for that moment. That's how good this training camp That's how be. good my fingers are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah ironically there's some truth in that um oh my no i mean no the, the fact that about the career maybe not jimbo's fingers but oh, yeah. <laughs> no, the, uh, yeah and then oh. hopefully hopefully see some of you guys there and people that have come before you might want to if you guys want to come again um but no anything you want to add guys no i think a few tangents everything there so it's all yeah. <laughs> enough stories for today I mean, we may we 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 may rebrand soon as the tangent mentors, but um, <laughs> we, we tend to do a lot. Um, probably more than we talk about muscles. We're just going off on tangents. So anyway, thank you for listening, people, and thank you guys. And we will catch you on the next one. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to the Muscle Mentors podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors who support the channel and everything we do in the realms of education and coaching within the industry. Firstly, our original sponsor, Supplement Needs. They've been with us from the start. If you're seeking the highest quality supplements on the market, particularly organ support and health-orientated products, you can use code MUSCLEMENTORS at checkout for 10% off your order. Precision Prep, our recently introduced food preparation partner, delivering the finest quality meal prep across the UK, featuring their new Pro Prep range, a concept closely developed with us 
to solve an issue we see day to day with time limitations and nutritional compromise. If you're seeking the highest quality nutrition delivered to your door for the best price, look no further. Use code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for 15% off your first order and 10% thereafter. And lastly, RAR Optics, the highest grade blue lock blue light blocking glasses on the market with the slickest style in a world filled with artificial light particularly those with high screen time i can certainly say i'm one of them these can be a real game changer for sleep quality and recovery something we use personally on a day-to-day basis grab yourself a pair by using code muscle mentals at checkout for money off all orders once again thank you for your continued support until next time